everyone, and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you an edge on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience. And today I am joined by my friend, Kat Weaver, serial entrepreneur, public speaker, and founder of Power to Pitch. How are you doing today, Kat? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you being here. A serial entrepreneur, I think I, I think I actually used that on my LinkedIn. Tell us what that, what does that mean for you? Yeah. So it was funny because when I would speak with mentors or in college, they always told me I was a serial entrepreneur, but I always thought, okay, I'm going to do this one business that I had and that's, I'm going to pass it on to my kids. And then once I started coming up with all these other ideas, I realized that, you know, I had a lot more to share than just one business. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I've, I think been through that journey myself on a, 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 the fun and fun story, which we won't go into too much detail on, but like I actually started out as a, a kid selling, my uncle had um, these oyster shells that he left over from digging and I went and sold those shells door to door. Like that was my first entrepreneurial project as a little kid. So um, maybe just like, it might be fun for you. Like what, where did you get started? Like what was your first serial entrepreneurial project? Yeah, I actually, so my sister and I used to make these really ugly. Well, cause I was probably like 10 at the time, Sure. but like sticker crayon painting drawings, whatever we could find. And we would sell them at my mom's bridal store and raise money for the local animal shelter. Cause we were obsessed with animals. And so that was probably my first business. And well, both of my parents are, are entrepreneurs. And so I didn't really realize it was as much in my blood as, as it is. And I started then officially and incorporated my first company while I was in college and totally on accident. I had my valuable stolen out of my gym locker. And so I created these wearable wrist wallets to stash essentials. And I was literally pulling out inventory from under my bed. I had people knocking on my dorm room door, wanting one to go work out and tailgate and all these fun things. And I thought I was going to go into the medical field because the rest of my family is. But then I realized how much fun that was and how rewarding it was to see people wearing my products around campus and getting asked you know, to put them in stores and things like that. So I, I changed my major. I believe it was my junior year of college. I officially changed to entrepreneurship. I love it. And, and your, your your initial story is so much more altruistic than my shell, shell uh, selling story. I just wanted to get French fries at the local diner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Meanwhile, you are saving animals. Um, very cool. Well, I, let's uh, kind of move a little bit closer to like um, power to pitch. Um, talk to us a little bit about that journey from selling wearables to when power to pitch came into play. How did that get started? Yeah. So starting my first company, Locker Lifestyle in college, I was playing tennis for the university. I had no funding. I had to completely bootstrap everything. And so I was fortunate that I could actually make all the product and use the sewing machines out of my mom's bridal store at the time. And shortly after starting the business, I she actually lost everything to a fire. So not only did my mom lose her business of 26 years, I lost my materials, patterns, prototypes. It was completely at zero. And one of my professors mentioned that I should enter a pitch competition. And I, I'd never heard of that. I had no idea what that even meant. And I showed up. I felt super awkward. I had no idea what I was doing, but decided, you know, I wasn't going to let a single person walk by my my booth or, you know, without having a conversation with them. And then once I got to the final round of the, of the pitch, I ended up winning $7,500 to kickstart the business. And it was like, wow, people think this is a better idea, you know, or a great idea as opposed to just my parents, you know, being supportive. So from then on, I won 21 other pitch competitions. So 22 national pitch competitions over the years. And I didn't realize I had a knack until I had people messaging me asking, how did I do it? How did I find grants? How did I get funded? And it was ended up being over six figures worth 
worth of funding to help grow the business. And people started asking if they could pay me to help them. And then I thought, all right, here we go. Here's, here's my next big thing. So I then officially launched Power to Pitch. And now I'm working on bridging the gap to get founders funded faster from education resources from their pitch to pitch deck to actually getting matched with investors in their industry so they can do it more efficiently. Let's roll that back a little bit. Like I don't, I don't have good context for what this means, but that sounds like a ton, like 21 pitch competitions that you won. Like put that in perspective for someone who like myself, who doesn't know what that, you know. <laughs> so actually 22. So in 21, 22. including the, yeah. So 22 is, is my current record because I mean, any single opportunity grant or, or pitch competition. So essentially a pitch competition is where it could be virtual or in person. And you have anywhere from 90 seconds up to 10 minutes to speak in front of a panel of judges and share your story and where you're headed. And I came up with a strategy and method that worked, I guess, every single time I, I went on stage and talked to people. And it was a matter of being personal with them, sharing that passion, and then being strategic on, and this is exactly what I'm going to use the money for. And then it gave them that confidence to want to invest in me and Locker Lifestyle. Okay. I've got to ask. I, I feel like I would probably lose 22 pitch competitions. How many did you did you lose? Um, I think one. I, I technically... Yeah, no. It was, it was honestly... I think it was only one. And it was because... And I was super salty about it too, because the other founders didn't ended up quitting their venture and just use the money for school or something like that. So that's what made me oh. more mad, I think. But no, I, I went in it with doing so much research on, on if I knew the judges, if I knew my competitors, I just went into every detail about who my audience was going to be. And I made sure to just connect with them for who they were. So if I knew someone was more financially savvy or product or IP, I made sure to tailor my conversation or my pitch exactly to them. So then they could conceptualize things a lot better. It sounds a lot like just about every business, like in finding your audience about, about understanding who they are, um, figuring out what they value the most. It sounds very, very similar to kind of just starting any other business. Is that right? It's exactly. And a lot of founders don't realize as well that these judges, these competitions, VCs, they're investing in you before the business itself. They don't care as much about what you do. They care about you. So, I mean, are you the person to take it to the next level? And that's a lot of the strategy that I coach on and that I realized that there's so many spread out resources on funding pitches, things of that nature. So I wanted to create a place where you can get all of these things at once. Let's talk a little bit about um, some of the, I guess, the the challenges that you face throughout this. Maybe you'll share a little bit about this automatically, but one like kind of my curiosity is peak. You, you won these competitions, uh, I guess, funding your, your wearables business. Where did that go? What happened with it? And how did you kind of get from there to where you are now coaching on this? So I've actually some really exciting... I'm still a 100% owner in Locker Lifestyle. We're certified women-owned. And I have some really exciting things coming at the end of December, early January that I can't share just yet. Um, but you'll be able to see on all of my social media when I make the official announcement for things like that. But I figured out a way to have a remote team and offload a lot of those things so I can be able to grow then now the pitching side of business. Because I mean, with Kajabi, everything I can do virtually. So it's made it accessible to now founders on a global scale. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, let's kind of get a little bit more into some of the, the challenges that you faced on this journey. Um, what what kind of stands out to you? Specifically for power to pitch or platforms? Do you have any specifics? Because I got plenty of problems. So just give me a, <laughs> so give we me can, a category. <laughs> we yeah. can drill in. Let's, let's talk about power to pitch. I would say... So I made the mistake early on. You know, I, I forget 
forgot what it was like the super early days building a business. Cause you know, five years ago is when I started Locker Lifestyle. So starting from the bottom of a business again, I forgot all the little things I did to help validate. And I thought that, you know, if I, I create this course that teaches, you know, X, Y, and Z, they will come. And that just wasn't true. And so I had to take the time to step back and play student again to my own customers in a way where I, I'm, I've been doing so much research and conducting interviews and really figuring out what they need and they want versus what I think they need and want. So my biggest struggle was actually finding that micro niche of founders. I mean, there's millions of business owners in the world, but who is that core founder and entrepreneur at what stage, what industry, how, and in what ways can I help them the best? Let's get really tactical. Uh, how, how exactly do you do that? Because on the surface, that sounds like, you know, find your audience, pick your niche. Um, like what, what's your process? So it was easy for a locker lifestyle. I had, you know, a lot of family and friends who wanted to be product testers. I was an athlete. So I knew a lot of the others who would take products and give me feedback. And then I'd post polls on social media, but for the core side, it was a little different. I I hadn't done anything in that sector, but I, I was very, I helped myself in a way where every single competition or networking event I did, I added them on LinkedIn. Every single one I reached out, I sent a personal note. I shared all sorts of content for value add on my LinkedIn. And then once it came to where I wanted to reach out to an investor or founder, I would, I reached out to them, you know, years later and they answered within seconds, which was the coolest thing that regardless or not of if I won money at the event, I just made sure, or if it was even a pitch competition at all, like I made sure to connect with them in a way where you never know what value could you could provide each other down the line. And I think a lot of founders make that mistake of, okay, they show up and they leave, but it's like, how are you going to keep that interaction? How are you going to benefit from that years down the line? So I, I usually just reached out to a lot of people on LinkedIn. I asked, you know, a friend of a friend and I realized that, you know, I would get like 40 plus shares on a post, just asking to ask people questions. And people were so interested in that this was such a hot topic of what founders need. And I, I was able to summarize a lot of similar problems, regardless of the industry, founders have a lot of the same problems. So um, really LinkedIn became a big avenue for me to just reach out to people. I mean, people I knew on Instagram or other accelerators or things of that nature specific to my niche is where I just had to put myself out there and, and ask for help. Okay. So what do founders need? So I found that founders looking to raise capital or funds... Well, first off, many of them don't understand the process. How to engage with an investor if they say no? How do you keep up with them? How do you eventually get that yes from them or, or make them almost give you resources or context? Like You can always get something out of them. And then, okay, what's a standard pitch deck? I mean, you can find hundreds of pitch decks out there, but what's the resource that gives you that template or that industry standard? And then, um, so there's a lot of like lack of central education and knowledge around the pitch, a script and a deck. And then on top of that, the number one thing that I saw founders say was that it takes them months and months and months and maybe five, they have to reach out to, I think over 500 plus investors to get maybe a first or second meeting with them. And then maybe they'll get one or two, and then they'll get a maybe or a no or a yes. And it just, it takes the founder away from actually building a business and it's hard and it's frustrating and it's kind of a demoralizing experience. So through the program that I'm creating on Kajabi, I essentially do that training and coaching. And then at the end of the program, which they get to work on in their own time, but at the end of the program, they actually get matched with an investor in their industry. It's not a guaranteed investment, but it's someone who they already know who their audience is and how to tailor that and speak and manage that relationship. That's going to cut the time that they're finding investors and partnerships like 
tenfold. It's just, it's crazy the amount of time that's involved with doing all of that. So just to make sure I heard you right, like you, you, if when someone takes your program at the end of, at the end of it, they're connected with a prospective investor. Yes. So there's a vetting schedule. You have to apply for it. We kind of go through where you're at in your business to make sure you're a right fit. We're not just going to throw you into all this and hope for the best. It's very, it's exclusive and it's trained and it's very tactical. So we make sure that we're matching you with an investor who's looking for someone who's at your stage, who's within your industry and, and understands like what you're capable of and where you want to go. So at the end of the program, it, it takes several weeks to finish at least at the very minimum. Again, it's at your own pace, but it's meant to be take the time and to actually get through all of those different learning modules that we have. But at the end, you are matched with an investor in your industry. And who who is this for? Like in terms of founders, is this like, is this the person who has an idea for an app? Is this someone who wants to create a course? Like who, who's kind of your, your target customer? Yeah, great question. So we like to work with founders who have already started. They're, they're past the idea stage in that they've done surveys and some validation. They don't have to have a specific product in case they actually just really need this funding to get it off the ground. But if you haven't put forth some of the effort in actual any validation or surveys or research, you will not be as successful in the program. Like we want people a little and more advanced than that. And then on top of that, it's also, I mean, we're, I've already started working with people who have raised six figure fund or rounds, excuse me, but then they, they want that next level strategic partner or actual just kind of cash infusion. So we have a wide range, but someone who's raised over 5 million is past our mark. You already understand the fundraising side. So under, under probably the $3 million round up until doing that product validation, our resources, tools, and, and contacts can help get founders funded. Very cool. Um, for those who are maybe even just in that earlier stage, what are what are some of your recommendations? You mentioned market research and surveys. Do you have any recommendations for anyone who may be listening who, who like they have the idea, but they haven't started engaging in that process? Yes. Number one, I would say though, that is you have to start bootstrapping really early, regardless of if you're going to need to raise a lot of capital. If you don't put in your own effort and grit and research into something, I think you're going to one, lose control of the business. And two, you're going to waste a lot of time until you really get enthralled in everything that you can about it. If it's a product-based business, by just asking friends, posting in local groups, things of that nature for feedback. I mean, there's there's definitely crowdfunding options. There's local grants and opportunities. You can look within your industry. Most of them are virtual now. There's small accelerators. But I think that you, know, you, you can start there, but it comes from a lot of just like the grit and reaching out to people in your own network and you can't feel awkward or bad that you're you're asking for help because you never know what could come out of something like that. I mean, just by kind of putting myself out there, I created whole new customers out of people that I never would have thought of. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, and I think that that really applies to just about any business um, that you're working on, starting with that network around you, like especially when it comes to validation, like we all have at least one person in our life, even if it's like our sibling or our, a cousin or something, there's someone that we can start that process and reach out to to just begin to start the process of, hey, would you buy this? And probably one of the key things that I learned throughout some of my serial entrepreneurial endeavors is moving beyond the, would you buy this to, now can I have a buck? Now can I have, uh, give me the money to see if that's really real and really truly validating with by swiping the card. I, I used to keep a square, like a swiper in my backpack, just in case there was ever an idea that I needed to validate. I always had that thing available to swipe a card. That's awesome. But uh, tell us more about about like kind of your philosophy on this. So after someone has done this uh, validation, 
foundation, uh, they're, they're coming into your program. What, what can they expect? Like, where can you kind of take them from and get them to? Yeah, absolutely. So you have to go in with the mindset that you're going to put in the work. Nothing is we're, we're holding your hand. We're bringing you step by step, but if you're not willing to put in the effort, the work doing the research, actually going through, it's, it's very strategic in the way we have the, the order of things set up. So if you're not willing to do that, you will fail guaranteed. But we take you from, I mean, the $0 in funding or education to actually meeting with investors after you will leave with, I mean, we provide the templates for their standard pitch deck and what these investors want to see. So you're getting templates like fill in. We, we guide you through how you're writing your script and matching it to your pitch deck. So if you get that up, when you get that opportunity to pitch to an investor, this is how you're prepared. And then on top of that, we talk about managing the relationship with investors. So from, okay, how that initial conversation goes, how to structure the emails to if they give you a no, this is how you still maintain the relationship with them and that it's okay that that's going to happen. And then we also go through Q&A prep. And the coolest part is that we've actually built a custom template for each founder to have their own site to share with their investors, whether it's a grant competition or even any VCs, they can actually share this site that will have a pitch video, their pitch deck and financials all mapped out in one place with a code. So when they put in that code, they can actually track who's looking at it for how long. So it's very strategic in terms of we're cutting down that time that we're talking, we're putting some urgency with these investors and where they want to go with the business. Very cool. So you mentioned earlier, um, Kajabi kind of how, how it's allowed you to, I guess, bring this to a global audience. Uh, I, I'm interested in just knowing like where it came into the picture. Like how, how did, how did you find out about it and what did you do before? Yeah. So I, I did hours and hours and then some more hours of research on looking at different programs. And when I looked at the community that Kajabi had built and the milestones that they help you achieve and how great customer service was and everything, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take the leap. And it took not even that first month of a subscription for me to realize that this is exactly what the platform that I was meant for. And I looked at some other influencers in the space. And I mean, there's other things out there, but when it comes to track, like I can, I love that I can see how far along each customer is within a program. I can track progress. I can schedule coaching calls. I mean, I am a huge proponent of the platform because it has helped me do everything that I need to do and more like things that I wouldn't even think of doing. It's already kind of set up in place for, you know, future successes and ideas and calls and things like that. Okay. What are some of like your, your favorite success stories so far? I mean, I know this is like your, your, I, I guess I get, maybe I don't know like where, where you're at in this journey, but I feel like you, you launched recently. Is that correct? Yes. It, as of this year. So this okay. is a newer, definitely newer. Yeah. So tell uh, what, what are some of your like favorite success stories or what would you say, like, what would you say would be like the, the, some of the key factors that you're starting to observe for people who are actually, you know, not just making it through the course, but ultimately when you, I don't know if it's winning a pitch competition, but it's at this point, but actually, you know, getting funded. Yeah. So one of my favorite stories, um, so this was someone who I coached privately. She saw a presentation I did and she was in dire need of some help because so she had a very successful business. And then of course, COVID hit and her business model completely changed. And I really, really loved her products and what she was doing. And, and her goal was to get on QVC. So we, we met, we went through some pitch strategies, practice. It was a total of only, I think maybe 
four to six hours in total training together. Like she put in the thing was she was successful because she put in the own work. She took the strategies and tools I had. We worked through it together, but then she wasn't afraid of putting in the work. And we, we got her on QVC and it was like that. She sent us a, sent me a selfie with her daughter and, and how much that had helped her and her business. And to me, that was like, wow, that, that just keeps me going hearing like some of the customer, customer testimonials and, and how, you know, I've had people who had never created a pitch video before and then have gotten incented to their first investors and had their first conversations of rounds and things like that. And, and it is just, it is the coolest feeling. So I'm trying to pay it forward in terms of what I've learned to help founders do the same and even more. Yeah. I mean, to me, that seems like such a, an important just educational experience for anyone, even if you don't have a business, like to go and learn these, these tools and techniques to become effective. I mean, pitching is something that we're all doing all the time everywhere. I mean, as simple as like going through the drive-through sometimes, <laughs> like you're, you're having to pitch yourself to, you know, after they miss made your drink to get your drink, drink, uh, fixed at Starbucks or, you know, pitching is something we do everywhere. Do you find that these techniques, um, are applicable even outside the scope of what you ever intended to do with the course? Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's definitely very psychological too. People think that it's all like this written portion, but from your, your tone of voice to your body language, to the structure of the way that you put forth information, it all matters in terms of the way that someone is perceiving you or wants to even continue conversation with you and and things like that. So I think people really underestimate that, but everyone is pitching all the time. And one of the best, some of the best advice that I got from one of my mentors is she told me, she goes, everything is negotiable. And from there is when I think it helped me hone my pitching skills a little bit in terms of, I don't have to take no for an answer. There's always a way around a no. That's very cool. Um, like even outside of the scope of entrepreneurship or, you know, I guess, uh, would you say that your course, is, is there any applicability? Because I'm thinking through like, even for someone who's just trying to get a job, like that is very much a pitching process. Do you have anyone that falls into that category or are you really sticking your focus to funding uh, for funding businesses? So I'm hoping to add that in the future in terms of any other sort of pitching and education resources. So I did start uh, Power to Pitch YouTube. So it's Power to Pitch, all one word, P-O-W-E-R-T-O-P-I-T-C-H. And I share, share obviously free pitch tips and things of that nature. But for right now, it's strictly for entrepreneurs and founders, just so I can really hone in and help because I have a really, really small team right now. But so we work with small, smaller groups of founders. We do the application process so we can help them and be super immersive with our community and, and group um, just to make sure that they're as successful as possible. Very cool. So how many, um, if you don't mind sharing, like how many founders are you bringing in um, for each cohort? Like how much space is there available? Yeah. So the one we're launching in January, uh, we're thinking that it's going to be 10 max. We're almost halfway full. So it's very limited, but we have spaces opening up each month with the time limit. It's learning on your own, but through building the site templates and some of the content that we have available and managing the community, we like to cap it for right now. So starting with 10. So if you're interested, it's just power to pitch.com is, is where you can apply and get more information. But yeah, 10, 10 to start for the January cohort. Okay. So still maybe a couple spaces available. Um, I guess, uh, uh tell us all a little bit about like what for you has changed, uh, 
adolescence, like kind of moving into this space or, or, or making these these decisions here for, for your life, like as an entrepreneur, what's different for you? Yeah. So doing with Blocker Lifestyle was hard. I was always tied down to, you know, inventory and warehousing when I was bootstrapping and, and doing the, the coaching and education side, I realized my reach and accessibility is literally global. I can take a jobby and my laptop and go wherever I need to be. I could be on a beach somewhere and coaching and emailing people and doing things. So it made living more accessible. I mean, I've always, I was fortunate where I took the leap after college and and got that funding where I took the business full time. I never got a corporate type of job. And so it was, it's always been important that, you know, if I can work from home, I can make a living, help raise family without having to work some crazy nine to five and be constricted to, to travel and things like that. I, this has always been a dream of mine to be able to do this, you know, on a virtual level. Very cool. Well, for anyone listening, uh, you already mentioned like how to get a hold of you. For someone who's just kind of like dipping their toes, do you have a preference for where they start? I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's I A M Cat Weaver, K A T W E A V E R. And probably the best resources then are powertopitch.com, where you can see all of the content, more about my story and where to find me and my email and applying for the programs. And then the YouTube and TikTok is just power to pitch. So very active on social media. I'm responding to DMs and comments on a daily basis. So I always love connecting with, you know, more entrepreneurs and aspiring founders as well. Very nice. Well, Kat, uh, can I put you on the spot? I-, I want you to give us a pitch for someone to leave a review for the Kajabi Edge podcast. What would your pitch be? Oh my gosh, this is so easy. This is this is the best question I've been asked. Because <laughs> I, I mean, well, first off, I've left a review myself because I started listening to other business story podcasts and it was always this major, I'm already a multimillionaire success story. And you know, I wanted to hear people from the perspective of what are you doing now? How are you growing, scaling, learning, adapting? And I think Kajab the Kajabi podcast has done just that. And and the way to support other founders and entrepreneurs is to leave a review. So I highly encourage if you're listening. It's worth it. Every small business owner appreciates a review on every level. So I, I hope that you take the 30 seconds to do just that. Yes, I love it. I love it. And that, that, that's very true. It, it, this expands outside of just the scope of podcasting. Like I know like local restaurant owners and things like these things are really, really valuable for people who are, you know, getting started or or are, you know, they're, I guess just lacking in that area. So um, good call out to that. Maybe that's like the secondary charitable, like leave your local restaurant a review well, yeah, on Yelp. No, but- <laughs> if you think about it, it's so easy for people to leave a negative review. No one thinks that they have a good time to leave a positive review. And yeah. and I genuinely always try and make an effort when I go places or do things because I know how much that means to me. And when I first started out, I mean, I respond to each review because it's so hard to get them from people. So know that you know, even if you're leaving it on Kajabi, yes, they're a bigger company, but think about the founders within these podcasts. When it gets liked, when it gets shared, it's almost like you're supporting and leaving a review for them as well. Very nice. Well, thank you so much, Kat, for taking some time out of this busy season to join us today. Yeah, no, I was super honored to be here. Uh, Like I said, I'd love to connect with any other entrepreneurs or aspiring founders. So I am very appreciative for Kajabi. And thank you, Jared, for helping share my story. I love it. Well, that is all we have for everyone today. We all appreciate you tuning in and we will look forward to seeing you guys all next time on the Kajabi Edge podcast. 